welcome to another episode of Not Just Another Sports Podcast. Johnny Manziel will become even bigger in the city of Cleveland than his buddy and business partner LeBron James ever was. With Christian Ainsworth. Ben Simmons to me is the fifth best basketball player in the world. And Price Carter. Under pressure? Yes, Kawhi is better than Kobe was. I'm here to tell you about the player that's going to take the NFC East by storm and also get some MVP votes. We're talking about Danny Dimes. That might be the worst take I've ever heard. So probably the biggest I missed out on everything sports moment that I've ever had. And it it was just crippling. Like I was so behind and I felt like I felt completely out of the loop. And it was when Andrew Luck retired. Um, I, my dad, he drives like dirt stock cars, which is like only one of the weirdest things in my life, which I actually used to do it when I was a kid too, which was cool. I raced until I was about 13 and then gave it up, but I went to the race with my dad and it's loud and it's, you're in the pits and there's a lot of cars and we're helping out. And I just didn't look at my phone for two or three hours. And then I got home and I didn't really look at Twitter or anything like that. And, you know, if you don't look at the notifications on your phone, right, when you pull them up, you just miss them all. And then the next morning I saw people talk, talking about Andrew Luck retiring. I was like, yeah, that's, that's never going to happen. And then like it happened. And I thought I was getting Barry, like Barry McCockner, like, you know, ultra weed hater on Twitter and Andrew Luck like legit retired. And I didn't know for like 24 hours and I felt like an absolute moron. So for this reason, I have like Adam Scheffner push notifications on my Twitter. What is oh, your yeah. ultimate sports left out moment? Like where you just did not know. Well, first of all, I also have Adam Schefter notifications on my phone. Just a good thing to have if you're into sports anyway. Uh, but the biggest one I had was that Eric Berry, when he first like was diagnosed with cancer, because like you think about in the NFL, I don't know very many other players that had ever had cancer that are in the NFL one or maybe two. Um, but it, this was a while back. So I, I was a lot younger and I was just kind of a, like a passive fan, like, Oh, I'll go to the games every once in a while with my dad or, or, or something like that. And then uh, I remember hearing like, cause I, I was looking, I was like, Oh, Eric Berry must've been hurt or something. They're like, Oh, he has cancer. And you, you know, a different time, you know, that was a joke that, that uh, you know, high school kids or, or, grade school kids would tell each other, oh, he's got cancer. Your mom has cancer, like stuff like that. So I, I, I actually didn't believe it. And well, I yeah, probably, it sounded like, it sounds like hyperbole, right? Like, you're like, yeah. oh, that can't be real. Yeah. Well, and it's something so absurd <clears throat> that you're just like, oh yeah. Okay. Okay. What actually happened though? And I went for months, not knowing that Eric Berry actually had cancer until my dad was like, yeah, it's a, it's a shame. You hear what happened to Eric Berry? You know, he, you know, he's not, he's not going to be playing this season. Like, and, wow. They, well, Justin Houston and them like wore shirts and they like get a sack and pull up the shirt and it said like EB strong or whatever. And you just thought, <laughs> you thought that they were just that pumped up about him having a hammy. Well, no, I, I don't know. Maybe he tore his Achilles <laughs> or something. I don't know. But I remember well, that too. having conversations with people and they're like, yeah, Eric Berry, uh, he, he has cancer. He's not going to be in. And I seriously thought that was like an ongoing joke that like just my different friend groups had. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Okay. But I don't know what actually happened, but I'm, I'm too afraid to ask at this point. What's that uh, parks and rec meme with Andy where he's like, uh, uh, I don't know. 
how Eric Berry is actually hurt, but at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. Like that, <laughs> that went on for weeks. And you, def- you definitely, you realized. definitely beat me. You, um, you're not <laughs> knowing that Eric Berry had cancer for a whole season is well, def- definitely beats me. It's crazy because I knew he did. I just didn't believe it. Like the information was presented to me, but I just refused to believe it. That's, I can't believe that. That's so funny. All right. Well, welcome into uh, the August 23rd edition of Not Just Another Sports Podcast, brought to you by Arrowhead Live. Uh, we've got a couple of things to talk about today. We're going to rehash and kind of just go over some of the big narratives from the second preseason game. We've got a couple of articles we want to talk about. And then lastly, we are going to talk about the Arrowhead Live fantasy draft that happened last night. We're going to kind of compare our teams and just talk about some of the trends we saw there. So at this point, we were talking, it's almost like anything that's needed to be said about Chiefs preseason football has been said to this point. So we are not going to try to get super nitty gritty into this. You have probably already heard a lot of opinions and hashed yours out, and there's not a whole lot we're going to say that hasn't been said. So what we're going to do, we're going to play a little buy, sell, or hold. For those of you that uh, have not watched ESPN, what show is that? Pardon the interruption. That's like a game they play. No, it's Colin Coward. He he does that game. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, he does that too. Um, or you can pretend it's like your cryptocurrency or whatever uh, nonsense you're peddling at this time. We are going to just, you know, if you buy something, you're, you're into it. You think that it's on the up. If you're holding, you're not really changing your opinion and then selling, you're down, you're low on that item. So the first, we're just going to kind of both say if we're going to buy, sell, and hold our, and our reasoning. So the first thing is the offensive line's dominance in week one and week two of the preseason. Are you buying, selling, or holding, Christian? So at this point, I'm buying, right? On paper, put it up, uh, you know, Lucas Nyang at right tackle, Trey Smith, uh, you, you know the lineup. Uh, on paper, sounded really, really good. Hey, that's a lot better than what we had last year. Um, you know, that kind of thought has been passed around uh, the chief circles for a while. Um, and I was one of those guys that was like, you know what? An offensive line isn't exactly like you put a whole bunch of pieces there that are really good. Like there's a certain mesh and uh, I don't know, synergy that has to happen between them where they have to get on the same page. And then I watched a preseason game and then I watched another one and Trey Smith is blowing holes wide open for Clyde Edwards to run through uh, Creed Humphrey, who's I heard his one weakness was he's not very strong coming off the line just blowing people off the line, shoving them out of the way, like completely dominating other six foot five human beings. Um, Just crazy to me. Yes. I'm buying the chiefs offensive line is really, really good this year. What about you? I'm going to hold on the offensive line and here's why the statement was offensive lines dominant. And I do think that they have been an exceptional unit from what we have seen thus far but also this is where we'll take into the level of competition. I couldn't even name a defensive lineman that they have faced off the top of my head because J.J. Watt, um, Chandler Jones, neither one of them played. Obviously, against um, the 49ers, they rested all their starters. Um, now, do I think the offensive – like if it was offensive line improvement, I would buy. Offensive line dominance, I'm just going to hold there because I don't 
I'm, I'm not sure that we've seen enough there to say that they're going to be a dominant unit week one against Jadavian Clowney, against Miles Garrett, against some of the really good pass rushers they're going to face. The pieces are there. There's definite improvement, especially considering what they walked off the field in Tampa with. But at this time, I'm just going to hold because I think I think we just need to see it against a higher level of competition. It's 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 encouraging. It's promising. I, I love the breakdowns that I've seen of our film guys at Arrowhead Live do, and I love seeing what Seth Kaiser and some of the other guys have written. But this time, I just got to do a hold. Yeah, Caleb James, one of the best guys at our site that does that. Just a little shout out. Um, you know. I, I think that's a really good take, but I think you lost all your credibility when you said Jadavian Clowney was an elite pass rusher. Sorry, dude. It's uh, well, I didn't say he was an elite pass rusher, but I think he's better than what they've faced thus far. Okay. All right. He, back, he back struggles. I'm just, he I'm struggles. To help to, you out, man. He struggles to stay healthy, but pass rush is also one of those things that is the sum of the parts. You don't necessarily have to be elite on your own. Like the truly of the truly elite pass rushers get pressure every single year, no matter what the situation. Good pass rushers, which I would categorize to Davian Clowney as a good to average pass rusher. They are the sum of the parts when they are next to someone or against, you know, two or three people beside them who are also good. That's when it becomes a problem. Right. Like you never hear about someone be like, oh, my God, the pass rush of this team is amazing. And it's one player. It's always like, you know, the purple people eaters or the 49ers were or, you know, against the Chiefs in the 2020 Super Bowl. Like it's the accumulation that's a threat. I don't think Clowney on his own is, you know, a one man wrecking crew. Garrett is definitely about as close to that as you get from the edge right now in the NFL. But Clowney with Garrett and some of the other pieces they have is going to be an elite pass rush. In fact, I just read an article that had ESPN, ESPN had ranked the Browns as the number one defensive line in the NFL, which I think is a little stout, but that's really? my point. Like, yeah. With the, with the 49ers still, I mean, yeah, I'll pull it up. They, anyway. they did lose, lose to Forrest Buckner, but okay. All right. Let's, let's go to the next one. We're going to spend a whole bunch of time on this. Okay. So next player is McCole Hardman. Are you buying, selling, or holding what you've seen so far? So what, that he's going to be good, that he's improved, or just Nicole Hardman as a whole? Um, I'll leave it up to, up, open to interpretation. Okay, so I'll say hold, and I'll say that uh, in regards to his development. Now, we did see him make an incredible catch where, you know, he had his hands about an inch off the ground, caught the front half of the ball. And he was open uh, a few different times in the red zone, which, which is something that, you know, Chiefs wide receivers uh, as of late have had, besides Travis Kelsey, I guess, um, have had trouble doing. He, he has shown flashes, and, but that's kind of the player that he's been the whole time, right? Like a flashy, big play player um, who, who still has potential, but potential only takes you so far. So I'm going to take you – I'm going to say hold – on that one, McCole Hardman's development. We we need to see some more before we uh, before we anoint him uh, the wide receiver two of the Chiefs locker room. Yeah, uh, for me, I am. I, I hate saying this because I think it's it's a negative connotation, but I'm actually going to sell on the McCole Hardman hype that's pretty much occurred since trading camp. And here's why. First off, I want to be completely clear when it comes to McCole Hardman. 
here's a list of things I would rather discuss with Chiefs fans than McCole Hardman at this point. The vaccine, abortion, um, let's see, what else? Universal health care um, is a hot dog a sandwich. Like, those are all things I would rather talk to Chiefs fans about than McCole Hardman because it's so divisive at this point because everyone is just rooting for their predictions. You are either on team McCole Hardman is going to have a huge breakout year this is this is a fact. Or McCole Hardman is Dexter McCluster, and there is no in between. And it is black and white, and it is divisive. And I'm just here to tell you, McCole Hardman is exactly what McCole Hardman has been, and probably will continue to be. He is not an outside X wide receiver, and he's not going to have some big, huge breakout season where he's going for you know 1,100, 1,000 plus yards, double digit touchdowns. That's just not the player he is. He's exactly what he was before. He may be slightly improved. Like we might be talking about 800, 900 yards, not even 900, like 800 yards tops. But I mean, I'm going to sell on the idea that he's a huge, a huge increase. Um, And part of that is, is, I mean, once again, we saw the Chiefs make a concerted effort to bring him into the game plan. Mahomes was two of six targeting McCole Hardman during the preseason game. And then four of six targeting everyone else. There is no other player on the Chiefs offense, including Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, and when he was here, Sammy Watkins, that Mahomes argues with on the field regularly about routes, except McCole Hardman. I'm going to take a shot in the dark that that's more on McCole Hardman than Patrick Mahomes, considering he doesn't do that with almost anyone else. Now, I don't think that McCole Hardman's a bust. I don't think he's Dexter McCluster. I think he is exactly what he is. So I'm going to sell the idea that there is a big change from him. He's just exactly the player that he's been before. See, and it's really interesting that you say that because we had a conversation on our last podcast uh, about the, the production that's going to be manufactured in the offense, specifically with McCole Hardman and CEH uh, filling into the role. We, we did our stat predictions. Um, and I think I had him at 2,000 total yards. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire taking some of Sammy Watkins' production uh, and, and receptions away from McCole Hardman and the vacancy that's going to be there. Um, yeah, dude, it's, it's really hard to see him making a really big improvement, but I have been so against him. Uh, he's been my fantasy writer guy for a long time. I just I don't want to give up on him just yet I want to see maybe there there might be a very small chance that you know Patrick Mahomes decided to go bowling with him uh you know spend some quality time with him and somehow he's going to have a 1200 yard season well what I would like to see is here's the thing people are already cashing tickets about certain opinions that they've had throughout the offseason and it's just way too early to be collecting on this like I feel like if McCole Hardman has like one more yard than he had last season. People would be like, oh, see, I told you a big season for McCole. It's here. This is the guy we always thought he would be. And I mean, it's, someone just needs to plant their flag in the ground and say like, if McCole does this, then it will be a big step forward. It, it's just, it's a really weird thing where people are like rooting for their prediction and then also kind of not. And I don't know. We don't well, need here, to do you want to, do you want to put a, a stamp on that right now? What does McColl need to do this year to have a big improvement? What, what would you say? Yards, touchdowns, Hold on. over a thousand? 
I know we I know we yeah I know we predicted it, but now I want now I'm going to set parameters. Okay, hold on, I'm on <laughs> okay. his. Okay. Um, because I would I would say that probably a thousand yard season and seven or eight touchdowns would cement him as a legit I'll even, wide you know receiver. What? I'll even like go short. Like I feel like when it comes to wide receivers, 500 yards is a big demarker. Like if you're below 500 yards, you're a role player. Yeah. If you're above 500 yards, you're, you know, a target. 750 yards, you're like a wide receiver too. Like that's some pretty serious production at a thousand yards. You know, you're getting into that, the top conversation. I'm going to ask McCall Hartman to record over 750 receiving yards. And then let's see how many total TDs. I would like to see eight touchdowns. Okay. But it needs to be both, not one. Like if he he just has a weird like touchdown season, but if he can, if he can produce both, I will like gladly say, Hey, I was wrong. We can put it on the intro with terrible sports takes. Um, We can add mine to the list again. (laughs) No, I, I would say a thousand yards for me at least and, and seven touchdowns. And I want to see him line up in the X or on the outside for at least 40% of his snaps. I think if you do that, you say, all right, you know, he, he can play outside. He can play inside. He can be pressed and, and, you know, he can do all the things a legit wide receiver can do. So th- that would be my parameters. I gotcha. Okay. Uh, another one, the, we're just going to, pair these players together because they all they all go under the same umbrella are you buying selling or holding the Doris fountain are you swimming in the fountain of jody fortson Doris fountain and jody fortson are you buying selling or holding i really like what jody fortson has done i think that the transition he made is very hard uh i think that you know he, he's done some things that not a lot of players have done this is just a roundabout way of saying no, not Jordy Fortson. Uh, I, I like Maurice Fountain. I think he brings some height. I think he brings some speed, uh, especially like the big bodied receiver uh, that the Chiefs are kind of lacking. Somebody you can throw a 50 50 ball up to besides Travis Kelsey, um, you know, in the end zone and get a touchdown. I, I really like that he can bring that. Jody Fortson to me is an experiment is not necessarily we, we haven't really got a resolution yet I know Kelsey and and Noah Gray and Blake Bell are all high on him they say you know he's the most athletic one in the room okay that's Travis is going to ride with his guys like that that's just how it's always been Tyron Matthew is going to say the DBs are great even if some of them aren't because those are his people like I I just don't think that that he has has shown anything um, to, to get him even I, I don't even know if he's going to make the roster I hope he does because I, I don't like to see anybody out of a job but I gotta I gotta hold on or, or sell on Jody Fordson and hold on Maurice Fountain I think he can do something what about you I'm gonna feel stupid for saying this because we always fall in love with these storylines during preseason but I'm gonna buy and I'm gonna buy on both of them and here's why there have been several things that we have asked the Chiefs to do for, it feels like, years. One of them, be able to run a quarterback sneak or short yardage. I feel like they finally might have moved in that direction with the offensive line. Um, and another one of them is to get Mahomes a big body weapon 
that they don't have. They've, I mean, short of the carcass of Calvin Benjamin, they've never really had something like that other than Kelsey. Doris Fountain is that. I feel like that would could be something completely different that they've had. And I know Andy likes his wide receivers that can separate, but man, it would be really nice to have a guy that you feel like could go up and get it, who can make contested catches. And I just feel like the Chiefs don't have much of that right now. And Doris Fountain could do that. Now, maybe it's just that he's playing against the twos and the threes and he's able to go up and muscle them. And then when he plays up against the top corners, he doesn't stand a chance. Jody Fortson is exactly another thing that we've asked the Chiefs to be doing for years, and that's have an athletic tight end too. Someone else who can be a threat. Now, you know, obviously the addition of Gray um, at tight end as well is supposed to be that, but I'm going to buy on both because I feel like those are two things that we've needed the roster to have. I feel like they can both carve out a specific role, and I think they can do just enough to stay on the roster for special teams. I don't, I've not seen Fountain playing any special teams, but I, I think that maybe just maybe this is the year that they try to go just a little bit more, I don't want to say unconventional on offense, but maybe step out of their comfort zone a little bit. So I'm going to buy the hype. See, and I, you know what? I can't hate you on that take. It, it's hard to not buy into some of these guys sometimes, right? The, the good storylines in the preseason, especially with everybody talking about Jody Fortson. I can, I can see how you, how you enjoy watching him play and want him to make the roster. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then lastly, did you just, besides the buy, sell, or hold, did you have any big takeaways from the game that you wanted to talk about? Anything that was really burning your britches? Uh, I don't know about burning my britches, uh, whatever that means, but uh, <laughs> Chris Jones is a monster. That, that's my takeaway. Chris yeah, Jones he, is just He incredible. looks really good, man. He, 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 he definitely looks really good. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, Juan Thornhill continues to be like the biggest mystery on this team because he seems to make a pop play every preseason game. And then he plays as much as like some guy who's going to be on the street next week. It, it's, it's just a really weird thing. It's, it's like, I can't tell if it's punitive, like if he's done something wrong and pissed them off or if it's truly that he's just working through the injury or are they like trying to showcase him to trade him. I, I don't even know anymore with Juan Thornhill. I, I truly don't. I mean, if you told me he got traded, cut, released, or started week one along Matthew, I would believe all the above. So I might've heard something on this, uh, Matt Derrick guy, chiefs guy, you really, everybody should go follow. Been big in the community for five plus years. Um, he had an interesting theory that Juan's confidence has not been where it needs to be. And so by putting him with the twos and running him with the twos and the threes and getting him an absurd amount of reps in some instances, instances, and less in others that they're helping build his confidence back up. And, and that makes a lot of sense to me, right? Like, especially for professional athletes, you know, how you're feeling, your, your mental state is almost just as important as your physical state. And if you're not 100% or don't believe you're 100%, that can come back to bite you. And I think Juan, Juan Thornhill said it best. I think that he's back to 100%. That's what he said in his presser. So what I'm going to believe, hopefully he's our starting free safety because I don't know if I can deal with Daniel Sorensen 
as smart of a player as he is with all of the physical liabilities that he has. Sure. And that leads me into my last point. And that's just, this is really weird because it's not the storyline I expected to be talking about this time of the year, but I actually think that the best path for the chiefs to be a better football team this year than they were last year is through the defense improving. And I am really encouraged by what I've seen from the defense. You know, there's all these, all these things you're going to start with if, and there's a lot of ifs, and if there's too many ifs, that's a problem. But if Juan Thornhill is the player that he used to be or closer to it, if the addition of Willie Gay and um, Anthony Hitchens losing weight, Ben Neiman getting off the field a little bit more, the run defense a little bit more stout, with the addition of Jaron Reed, the pass rush improves, Mike Hughes and DeAndre Baker, they may not be cumulatively as good as Bashad Breland, but they're more depth. at the. I mean, you can really start to put together the pieces of the defense taking a big step forward. And I mean, that's really exciting because I, I think, you know, last year, the def- there were times last year where it felt like the Chiefs had to have the ball last to win. The Panthers game comes to mind. The Raiders game obviously comes to mind. Both of them, you know, um, it would, it'd be a nice step forward for them because you can, especially with the improvements on the offensive line, it gives them multiple win- ways to win a game. Yeah. And it's, it's so crazy how, how different this defense is than it was last year. When you look at guys like Colin Saunders, who is now, you know, in, he's kind of fighting back and forth for that second D tackle position, like guys coming out of nowhere doing things we didn't expect them to. I didn't expect Chris Jones to spend, maybe 80% of his upcoming of the upcoming season playing on the outside. Like if you would have told me he was playing DN, I would have been like, yeah, what else is new? But to that extent, you know, that's crazy. And then trading for Mike Hughes, a guy who is incredibly physical, like the defensive back group is like really, really good. I really like him. And then Willie Gay now coming into his own, like this defense, I don't want to say that it could be top 10, it could be top 12. It, it could be top 15. And, and I don't think that's asking too much, especially since they were pretty close to that last year as well. So that, that could really help out our team um, and is probably the biggest season, the biggest story from this preseason. For sure. Absolutely. All right. Let's get to the more fun stuff. Um, let's talk about our Arrowhead live draft. So last night, some of our Arrowhead Live contributors jumped in a ESPN fantasy draft. It was a 10-team, pretty traditional roster, one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, tight end flex, defense kicker, and this is PPR, correct? Yeah, it's PPR, not half PPR or any of that other. I feel like I feel like at this point, PPR is the standard. Oh, right? yeah, it's, it's way more fun, too. The, the, the running backs play more of a role, like – it's just a whole deal. Yeah. I remember when I first got into fantasy PPR was like this weird thing that only some people did. And now it's kind of just evolved, but, I, but I'm happy for it. I, I agree. I think it's the better, the better way to score the game. Um, okay. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to go ahead and just decide who's going to win the whole league right now. And the way that we're going to do this by being completely objective and truthful and realistic and down to earth, we're just going to compare each other's rosters and kind of go over um, kind of go over our methodology and picking each player. 
we don't have to break down our entire bench because that's a little nitty gritty, gritty and can take a little bit longer. We're just going to go and compare. And I, I can set aside my pride. Hopefully Christian can as well. And we'll acknowledge who has the advantage at each position. Like who's got the better QB, who's got this. So, so do Christian, you just want to go down the line? Like yeah, yeah. So, running back so yeah, yeah. You say your quarterback, I'll say my quarterback. So Christian, you're, you came away with who at quarterback? Uh, just the best one in the league, Patrick Mahomes, the second. I've heard of him. Just, uh, heard yeah, him. he's he's okay, I guess. Yes, uh, especially in PPR analysis, uh, dual, he's he's kind of a dual threat quarterback. He's got a brand new O line. I don't. I think he's going to be pretty good this year. Okay, who, but what if I told you him? I got a quarterback later than you who actually scored higher than Patrick Mahomes in twenty twenty? I'd be interested to see who that is. That that was QB two last year, who was on pace to be QB one until he got a shoulder injury. I came in with Kyler Murray as my quarterback. Obviously, the passing potential is a little bit lowered than Mahomes. A lot of it lowered, honestly. But maybe, yeah, yeah. Murray is the second best rushing quarterback <laughs> in the in the league, second only to Lamar Jackson. He had a fantastic fantasy season last year. Not as great of a passing season, quarterback season. But Kyler, you know, I think sometimes we get confused a little bit between real football and fantasy football. Kyler Murray is a great fantasy quarterback. Um, obviously, we're going to give the edge to Mahomes because he's more consistent. But I do like coming away with Kyler with the rushing potential. He added about um, he added 11 touchdowns on the ground last year as a rusher. Um, it, it just keeps his floor so so low, and that's a you'll notice that that's a trend with my team all throughout low floor or high floor, excuse me, high floor players, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, AJ Green, they continually, uh, Elijah Moore, they continue to add weapons to that offense as well in a very pass heavy offense. Okay. So it's, it's an underrated you... pick as well. Just, just to throw that in there, that's Kyler Murray is an underrated player in fantasy. I know he's like one of the top five uh, quarterbacks that, that people draft, but still, I feel like he's, He's closer to top two than he is top 10. I will, I will say that ESPN has made it kind of foolproof the draft process. Like, you know, you sit in the draft room and they rank their players and then the next top ranked player in their system just sits at the top. So hypothetically, you could probably just pick the player at the top nine times out of 10 and do pretty well if you were completely uneducated, uneducated. But Kyler, whenever I drafted him, he was a player that I technically had to scroll down the board to get. But it's what worked well for my roster, and I'll explain that a little bit later. Okay, your RB1 is who? Uh, I was the first pick in the draft to preface this. So this was my first pick. And it's a little bold, I'll say, but it's Alvin Kamara. And, and I picked him because he has a quarterback in Jameis Winston who will like to throw the ball, but Sean Payton probably doesn't want him to. Um, and he's going to get a lot of carries. Not only that, he's super explosive. He doesn't get injured. And he's, I think he was the best player in the draft. What about you? Who did you have? Um, I came up with Derrick Henry as my RB1. Um, whenever I drafted, Saquon was still on the board. Um, I think uh, CMC and Dalvin Cook were taken in between us. Um, for me, picking Henry over Barkley was more of Barkley's ling lingering injury concerns. And also the multitude of weapons that are in the Giants offense at this time. While I know that the Titans offense did add Julio Jones, um, 
what they did with the offense with Brown and Jones, making the passing game vertically so much more of a threat. I really think Derek and Derek Henry has had very, very few injury concerns. Obviously he's a no brainer. He was who with, I went with, and personally, when it comes to, in my opinion, when it comes down to Kamara Henry, clearly we're basically flipping a coin, but Kamara is the better pass catcher, no doubt. But with the way that the Saints offense is going to go this year, it's Alvin Kamara and um, a bunch of guys you've not heard of until Michael Thomas comes back. Personally, I'm going to, I prefer Derrick Henry over Alvin Kamara, but we can call it a bush. Uh. Okay, I, you know what? I'll take it. Um, but even though I believe Alvin Kamara is is in a better situation, but who, let me who ask is you, your next running? But oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, we don't need to get the week. But I was going to say, let me ask you this: What do you think? Who do you think it would be more shocking if they had a down season? Would it be more shocking if Alvin Kamara had a down season, or if Derrick Henry had a down season? It'd probably be more shocking if Kamara did, but that's only because Derrick Henry also just got Julio Jones on his team and he has a new offensive coordinator. So it could be, you know what? I see Ryan Tannehill, super efficient quarterback. How about we throw the ball a little bit more? You know what I mean? It it wouldn't be that shocking if he had uh, a lower season. Plus his, he's just been so incredible the past couple of years, Derrick Henry, that it's kind of like, how could he keep up that pace in here? Yeah. And that's true. So it's, it's the, uh, if you're on a hot streak, you should stop gambling type of thing because the streak is bound to end. Okay, so yeah. this is um, this is this is the weakest part of my roster. This is the place that I waited a little bit. Um, I went running back first with Derrick Henry, and then I went wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end. Or no, I went I went running back first, wide receiver second. Then I went wide receiver again. Then I went tight end, and then I went running back or maybe QB, I can't remember. But uh, I came in with Kareem Hunt as my running back too. My philosophy when it comes to the RB2 position is I'm going to throw numbers at it and know that more often than not, there's a, a running back or two that ends up in the top 10 of a league and final scoring, and he's not even drafted. So I've got Kareem Hunt, but I also grabbed one of my favorites, Trey Sermon on my bench. Damian Harris is another guy that's got a lot of breakout potential and I grabbed what is the closest to the starting running back in Houston with Philip Lindsay. And then I also grabbed Gus Edwards because if um, JK Dobbins goes down, Gus Edwards instantly becomes like a top 10 running back. So I kind of threw numbers at my running back two position. Obviously Kareem's not a bad choice because once again, if uh, the starter gets hurt there, Kareem instantly becomes a top five, top 10 QB. And he still is going to get production even as the two. Yeah, and I just want to say this before we go any further. You stole two of those picks from me, like Gus Edwards and Trey Sermon. I was waiting. Those are some of my sleepers that I hadn't told anybody. Like, you know what, Gus Edwards, he looked really good in the preseason. He's been really good the past couple of years. He's in a running offense. You know what, he'll sneak by. He'll, he'll be there close to the end. And I think you got him with, like, your last pick in the draft. And I was pretty not happy about that. But, yeah. anyway – but that's kind of besides the point. Uh, my RB2 is Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Knowing that running backs uh, play a pretty important role in any fantasy team, I just had to go with my boy here, new offensive line, kind of in the same situation. Uh, and then I picked up one on my bench, and that's Jamal Williams of Detroit. He's not oh, yeah, Jared Goff of this quarterback. Yeah, he's he's uh, – I think he's, he's going to do pretty well this year, especially if DeAndre Swift – I don't know how well he's going to do this year. 
but it's also insurance policy, right? Like if, if he tweaks a knee or, or an ankle, I got the guy in Detroit that will be running the ball with Panay Sewell as his new right tackle. So, well, yeah. And I definitely think that you've got the better running back punch there. You were able to grab, I mean, Clyde last year was, you know, a first round pick in most, most people's opinions. He still has that potential. You're one, two, you're Kamara and um, CEH. That's a really good running back punch. And I, like I said, I knew I was compromising at RB2, but it's one of the places that I'm willing to do it because oh, yeah. I'm going to go heavy wide receiver. And I'm really proud of what I came with as the wide receiver position. So um, my second pick was Calvin Ridley as my wide receiver one. I am super high on Calvin Ridley overall. He is going to have a massive target share in that offense. Obviously, subtracting Julio, yes, they're adding the tight end, but it is an offense that I think as a whole is going to improve a lot with Arthur Smith. Matt Ryan, still an underrated quarterback as far as overall production. The defense is going to be somewhat improved, but that's still going to be a team that's going to need to throw the ball a lot. Calvin Ridley is going to be a guy who's going to be looking at like a 20 to 25% target share. And last year showed all the skill set necessary to be a wide receiver one. So I really loved grabbing Calvin Ridley there. He's one of my favorite guys to target as a wide receiver. Um, And then I was able to go with my second wide receiver position. Um, I went with Amari Cooper. I cannot remember exactly who I had on the board there, but Cooper is one of those that he's one of those guys that I seem to continually end up with in fantasy, but I don't love having a guy who's on an offense that's got three other receivers or three receivers, including him as a weapon. But Cooper is is another, just a classic theme with my fantasy teams. He's a high floor guy. He gets the volume and he seems to always have two or three games a year. That is just a huge game for him. And that's always nice too, because you can kind of count on those games. You know, obviously I would have loved to come with, come away with a little bit more from my wide receiver too, but Ridley Cooper, and then I'm going to go ahead and throw my flex in here because they're all three kind of this wide receiver group. Um, I was able to grab Julio Jones as my flex. So I've got Ridley Cooper and Julio Jones, which is definitely the strength of my team. Three guys who, you know, depending on how things go, all can be in that wide receiver one conversation. I feel like I came away with really good production there, especially because on my bench, I have Brandon Cooks, who is undoubtedly the wide receiver one in Houston. And if he can stay healthy, and I mean, who knows, maybe Deshaun Watson. I mean, I Brandon Cooks was a super underrated player last year, so I really love where I came away with at the wide receiver position. Yeah, definitely the strength of your team there. Uh, Calvin Ridley, a monster. Julio Jones, you know, you don't even have to say his. You, you just say his name, and you're like, oh, yeah, maybe the first guy taken a few years back. Like, really, really good team. Uh, especially in your wide receiver room, my wide receiver is kind of shaped up a little bit differently. So I believe that I went running back, running back, wide receiver, quarterback, wide receiver, and then went down the list. I think I grabbed even some more wide receivers after that. Um, But my number one wide receiver is Justin Jefferson, a guy who's going to get a high volume of targets. Love it. Has. Yeah. He's a great player. He did really, really well last year. I think he had, yeah, about 275 fantasy points. Uh, just a monster of a tight or a wide receiver. Wide receiver two is Cooper Cup. He's kind of like my Amari Cooper. He always is on my fantasy teams. I don't know why. I just I, I see his name 
and my face lights up. That that's just the way that it is. He he always has good production. He's never once let me down in any of the teams that I've had him on. He always seems to have a big week right when I need him. So he's kind of my clutch back pocket performer for this team. Um, and then I'll throw in my, I guess my three that I really, really like. Uh, Jared Judy. Uh, he wasn't the next wide receiver I took, but that's the one that I have starting. Um, just he's such a good route runner. He struggled with drops last year. I don't think that'll be a big deal again. Uh, then I have Odell Beckham, who is extremely underrated. Pick him up in your fantasy leagues. He's going to have a good year this year. One of the reasons he didn't is because of his connection with Baker, but he was still open a lot. He didn't get as many targets as he should have, but he was still open a lot. Um, and then Devontae Smith, uh, the guy who was just drafted. He was my top wide receiver in this year's draft, um, even above Jamar Chase. Dude is just incredible, incredible footwork. Uh, he's such a talented route runner, great receiver. Um, I think he's going to have, he's, he's kind of like my boomer bust pick. We're going to see where he goes, but I think he'll play really, really well this year. Yeah, I think you might have edged me out at wide receiver, actually, because that the Jerry Judy OBJ part of that is just, that's, that's really good. I, I like that a lot. One thing, one thing to remember, too, is especially leagues like this that are standard, standard roster, you can only start so many guys. So one thing that I try to do is I think there was a place in the draft that I stopped worrying so much about who am I going to start and started thinking about guys that are going to boom or bust because you can only start so many guys And I mean, Jerry Judy, OBJ, Cooper cup, and Justin Jefferson, you're going to be, pulling your hair out some weeks trying to decide who's who to start there in some ways that can be crippling trying to decide that oh yeah it's it's going to be a nightmare some weeks uh like even this first week it's like do you want to start obj versus the chiefs probably not but do you want to steer, start jared judy against the uh like the giants well i don't know what jared judy's going to be so yeah i'm already having those headaches but i'm, I'm prepared for them that's uh, it's kind of my mo with fantasy. I, and this is this is a philosophy for me when it comes to the tight end position in fantasy. You either go get the three or four guys, or you just wait and you piece it together. This league, I saw my opportunity to be the guy to go get one of the top guys, so I grabbed Kittle in the third or fourth round. Um, again, it's just one of those things. You either get, you either are a have or a half not when it comes to fan, fantasy tight ends. And I, I prefer being a half um, just because it's a position that can become a black hole really quickly. And then you end up screwing around and dropping a, a running back or something that you don't want to drop because you're like, well, you know, this tight end might be able to put it together or this or that. So I went and grabbed George Kittle. Um, I feel like overall it makes my starting lineup about as solid as it can be with what I have. It may not have been the best thing for my bench, but I think it was the best thing for my week to week. Oh yeah. And, and having a team that's really top heavy, isn't really a bad thing in fantasy. Like it, it's bad for any other sport. Uh, not that fantasy football is a sport, but having a really good starting team is the most important thing. And I grabbed Dallas Goddard and Cole Komet. Um, I'm kind of hoping that they can, they can come together and be, one really solid 
uh, tight end. I think Cole could could come in. I know the Bears love their tight end, so we we don't really know where he's going to be. But uh, Dallas Goddard, the clear tight end one, and uh, for Philadelphia, you know, I I think that, that I can switch the matchups dependent. They're they're both kind of matchup dependent, so I'll switch them in and out as the season progresses, and they can give me maybe half of what Kittle gets you, but. That, there's one thing that I had to skimp on. And once those four or five guys are gone at the top for tight end, you know, I'm, I'm not going to spend a pick on Evan Ingram uh, as a tight end when I could get Jared Judy or Odell. So, yeah. And, and I think that's the, that's the right analysis there. Um, and I mean, really when it comes to the, when it comes to your rosters, I mean, really you're, you're never going to be able to just be perfect at every position unless it's a super, super shallow league. So you just got to decide what your philosophy is um, and, and go with it. You know, I, you, you have to do what makes the most sense. Sometimes the worst thing in fantasy football is ending up with a bunch of average players. Um, And it goes back to that have or have not thing. My bench is not going to wow you, but I felt like I tried to grab players that we could easily be sitting around and talking about being the fantasy player of the year because they just take off. Um, I mean, we don't really have to do the kickers thing, um, but I grabbed the Ravens defense. They're Raven, the Ravens defense and special teams. They're always good. I mean, they're never bad. And also again, whenever it starts getting to that point in the draft where you're just taking guys to fill out your bench, I'm not afraid to be the person to grab a defense, maybe first or second. Not obviously you don't want to be that guy who's drafting a defense whenever people are still drafting wide receiver twos and flex. But once you're starting to fill out your bench, don't be afraid to be, in my opinion, don't be afraid to be the first guy to grab a defense because there are weeks that defenses absolutely can ruin you or make you. I mean, you can have a defense turn in like a negative 15 points and that can be a backbreaker, or you can have a defense score 30. See, in the Ravens defense, you also stole from me, by the way. Um, I was looking at them and I wanted to grab them early, but you know, that, that's your philosophy. Grab them, grab them a hair early, then you get the ones you want. I ended up with the Broncos defense and Harrison Butker is my kicker. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, the, uh, the defense doesn't really matter as much as people think, but it matters. Well, it, it matters more than people think, if that makes any sense. Uh, here's so, the thing. Here's the mistake that I think people make when it comes to fantasy defenses. They, they, overdraft the top defenses and then underdraft the mediocre defenses because defense is just not stable year to year. Like I think, I, I think I saw the first defense ranked in ESPN was the Bucks defense. And realistically, if you go back and look at the season, the postseason they were an epic defense, but during the regular season, they, they weren't as much. Um, you know, Washington football team was another one that was one of the first ones off the board. There's a high likelihood that one of those defenses that was great last year will not be great this year. It, it happens every year. Oh, yeah. And and here's the thing. If, if you don't get a defense, you have like a high probability of being good. Like, you know, there, there's always like a one in five shot of the top five defenses that just fall off a cliff. Um, the Bears might be this year's. Um, but. My, my philosophy when it comes to defense is, is I just don't want you to go negative. Like their, their defense is one of the very few positions uh, that goes negative more often than any of the other ones. Like 
if you are at least contributing to my fantasy team, then you're a start and start it and forget it defense. And, and that's kind of what I went with Vic Fangio's uh, Broncos led defense. It's, it's going to be right down the middle. There are a few weeks when they face the chiefs where I'm going to have to pull them and, and do something else. But you know what? I, I can deal with that for two weeks of the year. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I grabbed young who um, who actually was a very, very accurate kicker last year. I was, I also love getting kickers on teams that their teams might not be great in the red zone and play in a dome. All those are added bonus for a kicker. So young who filled, uh, filled that void and also provides excellent team name potential, which by the way, if you're doing a fantasy team, you can't be like prices pack or something like that, you've got to use it. Like the proper fantasy name is using a player for from your team into the name. That's that's just standard operating. Am I right? Thank you. Yes. Mine is yeah, like, and go seek. Yes. That, players on my team. Correct. Or Kareem pie or whatever. Like those are, that's how you do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Kid, like last year I had George Kittle on a team and I was Kittle Skittles. Like sometimes you really got to work. If you don't draft a good name, you really got to work at them. Um, all right. So my bench, I'm finishing out here. Brandon cooks. That's, you know, he's a, he's a top end wide receiver. If he's healthy and has a good quarterback, both of those are question marks, but the clear wide receiver one in an offense, that's going to be down a lot, to be honest. We talked about Trey Sermon could easily be talked about as one of the top running backs of fantasy football, depending on how things go when Raheem Mostert gets hurt. And I do mean when grab Damian Harris, he's a guy that, you know, Fantasy players love to get excited about it. He's also a New England running back, so we all know how that goes. Um, one of my other favorites was Irv Smith. I got him for tight end. There's going to be a tight end that goes down. Um, Kittle does have an injury history. Irv Smith is going to be the tight end one in their uh, Minnesota's offense, and he's very athletic. He's got the profile to be a top tight end. Um, he had he when Kyle Rudolph, who is now with the Giants, when he was out last year, Irv Smith had some big games. So if the worst thing that happens is I have two good tight ends, you know, I could definitely flip Irv Smith in a trade for someone who's uh, just feels like they're a tight end away. Grabbed Philip Lindsay, RB1 in a crowded backfield. Grabbed Matt Ryan. I never have a problem grabbing another decent quarterback because, you know, there is that situation of, you know, maybe it's a really bad matchup. And also, I never want to be panning around for a quarterback in the end. Um, it's, honestly, I just like knowing that the worst quarterback I'm going to be starting is Matt Ryan. Um, and then Gus Edwards, we talked about. Yeah, that's a good philosophy to have, too. There was one year that I had Matt Ryan and Ben Roethlisberger on the same team as my quarterback, and they were both just awful. And I had to pick and choose which one to start. and. You know, when you when you draft really late for a quarterback, you've got some more uh, high upside players on your team, but it's the position that scores the most points. So you, you have to make sure you have your quarterback right. And that's why, you know, Patrick Mahomes was my one of my higher picks. Um, and Trevor Lawrence is my backup quarterback uh, rounding it out. I think he has a really high upside. He's playing for a team that's going to be completely dependent on him. So he's going to get plenty of targets or plenty of plenty of attempts. Uh, to the wide receivers there and there are some good ones there so <clears throat> for my bench I have uh Jerry Judy Devontae Smith Marquise Brown from the uh from the Ravens I think he has some upside potential 
uh, Jamal Williams, who I talked about earlier, Michael Pittman Jr., who I think is going to have a better season than, than anybody really thinks that he is. He, he's one of the two good wide receivers on the Colts. Um, and he might have Carson Wentz throwing to him. I don't know if he's going to be back this year, but we'll see. And uh, Cole Komet as my, my backup tight end for that off week and uh, for the rotation between Dallas Goddard, that whole dynamic that I have going on. Nice. Yeah, I, I think we both came with good rosters. Personally, I like yours just a little bit more for your depth overall. Like if we were to build an actual NFL franchise, but I think you're going to have a hard time with those wide receivers, man. I, I feel like you're going to be kicking yourself every week. Like, oh, dang it, I should have started so-and-so. And oh, dang, I should have started so-and-so. Well, and, and I'm kind of betting on my my pre uh, my my draft knowledge here, so I'm really kind of banking on maybe Jared Judy or Odell having some crazy big season, sure. or Devonte Smith coming out and being like Justin Jefferson was a few years ago, like just coming out and getting 1,400 yards or something crazy. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, I really like your roster as well. I think Kittle is your low key best pick. Uh, having a really good tight end is really, really nice. And, you know, getting the top three is, is pretty hard to do, but I think you did it and still had some great later round picks, which you were in a pretty good spot. I think you were drafting fourth. Is that right? Yeah. I personally, I prefer to be a bookend, like being a bookends. Great. Love being a bookend back to back picks. Oh, really? I love that because guess what? I know it's forever, but I sit there and as soon as I make my pick, I go and look at like the sheets that I'm looking at that are player rankings and look like, okay, my next pick is going to be 55. These are the players that are going to be available at 55, but should be, but not be. But if I can sit there and go like, look, I know it's going to be 23 picks or whatever until I pick again, but I can control back to back picks. That way you, when the board is there, you have, you have it there. Like, you know, exactly what it's going to be. And you know that you can go quarterback running back or whatever. See, and, and I really, I, I don't know why, but I just feel like there's, there's better value at four and at five and six, you know, sort of, sort of those mid round yeah. where, where you can get somebody, you know, that maybe not, you might not get Christian McCaffrey. Okay. But you'll be, get Alvin Kamara or you'll get Derek Henry, or mm-hmm. you know, you'll get, you get somebody that's like just a little bit, like maybe like half a tier below them instead of somebody like, Oh, uh, you know, it, I'll, I'll put it simply in one of my other drafts, I got to pick fourth and I got Alvin Kamara. Um, then I got DeAndre Hopkins and then Clyde Edwards Lair. Like those were my top three picks. And it's like, that's, so, that's such incredible value for, for guys that I think are going to be the top of their positions. I have three players who could end up in the top five of their positions. There's no way I could have done that in this draft, but I, I really liked how it turned out. We'll see who wins at the end, but. Absolutely. Well, guys, that was our podcast. We appreciate it as always. Um, Let us know what you think. We look forward to talking hopefully about real football real soon for the Chiefs. So have a good one. Thanks for listening. Yep. See you guys.